Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I am your host, Dee. How's it going, everybody? Welcome. Uh, my guest today, she's the owner of PoeticResurrection.com. She's a poet with three current publications and another uh, in the works and on the way. She's been an actress for a long time, currently doing print. She's a podcast host and a meditation teacher. What? Yes. <laughs> Please welcome to the show by Cultural on Purpose and in Practice, Sonia Lozada. Thank you for being here. Thank- Hi. Thank you so much. This is really exciting for me to be on this and try this other you. Yeah, <laughs> great, great. Yeah, I, I love I, I love the that the guests are always excited. I mean, I, I think it would be silly for someone to come on and be like, I really don't want to do this. I hate this <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, so. I'm just trying to promote my book. Damn yeah. It. <laughs> oh man, I get so I get so many people that are just like, oh, I mean, I would love to be on your show to to promote this. I'm like, no. It's not what That's we not do. what it's about. It's yeah. Yeah. I've had the same problem with mine. It's like, I want to get on your show so I could promote. I go, did you not read the description? Yeah. At all? At all? Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's not what I do. No, no. Now we're going to, we're going to talk about you today and only mm-hmm. you. And then we're going to imagine life or what could have been, what could have been. How, how are things going? How was, how was life for you in summer of 2021? Hot hot it has been there has been a real heat in los angeles normally Mm. we're kind of dry here but it's been humid and that's what is the the uncomfort but i'm from chicago where humidity is like a hundred percent so but it's that's why i moved here because it's dry but Mm. it's not that dry right now yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 currently like in the midst of those days where the sun comes out and you're like, oh, I'm going to go outside. But it's it you're like choking on water. And then at some point it just rains on you because screw you anyway. <laughs> and then the, the rain goes away and there's a little bit of coolness in the air, but it's still wet. So you're like, Ugh, yeah, why am I taking a shower outside right now? Why? Well, I remember living there and taking hot showers just so that I could acclimate to the temperature outside. Wow, that's brave. Well, if you take a hot shower, you're already used to that hot humidity. By the time you get on, you don't sweat right away. <laughs> I always feel like if I take a hot shower, I'm going to be sweaty in the shower. And that just blows my mind because I'm like, why? Why am I sweating right now? I'm like in the, in, I'm in the shower. Why am I sweating? Stop it. I'm trying to get clean. <laughs> so, man, yeah. right on. But that's, that's brave. <laughs> that's brave. So you've been an actress for some time and you're in LA. Did you move to LA to become an actress, to pursue that career or was it just happenstance? No, not, not at all. I'm, I come from a, from a musical family hmm. uh, from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and they played hebato music nice. and all that kind of music. And I came out to LA not to be a musician, but because I had taken studies in fashion design. Hmm. And I came out here to take advanced studies in fashion design. And the school I was going to made a huge mistake. They took me out to, this is where you're going to work once you get your degree. And it was a factory, you know, like a, a, what? I forget what they call them, the sweat things or whatever. Like a sweatshop? 
sweatshop oh, no. and they give you a table on the corner to design. And I'm like, I'm going to college to work in a sweatshop. Hmm. I go, oh, no, I, I quit within a week. Oh, wow. I left the school. That is not what I wanted to do. My parents were laborers, so mm. I didn't want to be a laborer. Right. Um, and so I just started working at the American Film Institute. And then I started seeing all these celebrities. Mm. And I said, wow, you know, I could do that. Hmm. But a friend of mine, how I actually got into acting, because I was a musician. I was a singer at that time. Okay. How I got into acting as a friend of mine had, and a young guy had a heart attack hmm. and he couldn't drive or do anything. I mean, he was older than me, but he was only in his thirties wow. at the time. And uh, he said, I'll give you private lessons because they won't let me drive. Oh. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me private lessons and I got hooked and he wow. put me onto a man called Ed K. Martin, mm -hmm. who unbeknown to me had celebrities as students. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of intimidating in his class, but I was, <clears throat> excuse me, mm -hmm. but I was also honored that I was able to enter a class with that caliber. Hmm. Did you ever have any moments where um, during the class you did something and then somebody you admired that you were like, oh, this person's famous was like giving you props or clapping or saying, oh, wow, great job. I don't remember because no, okay. it was uh, like 20 of us in the course, in mm. the class. So we all did went up there and did our scenes. I do remember I did something that was, um, they said, you know, that the uh, Ed K. Martin, mm. I don't know how to say, Ed, mm -hmm. he said, well, you're supposed to be upset on this. Don't be nice. I go, okay. And I start rolling up my sleeves <laughs> and the class starts laughing because it looked like I was going to beat up the woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She can catch these hands. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. I'm into it. Nice. We nice. can all get pissed. <laughs> mm -hmm. So as a poet, when did you first realize that that's something that you wanted to pursue in earnest? Well, um, I've always written poetry, but in terms of trying to come up with books or anything like that, that just happened six or seven years ago oh wow yeah i all the poetry i ever wrote i wrote it for anxiety reasons mm. if something was bothering me i used to write poetry just to get it out of my system mm -hmm. and then i would put it in a drawer not allowing anyone to see it because it showed my vulnerability right and a couple of years ago i was homebound because I had foot surgery and it wasn't a major surgery. It was just, but it was my right foot. I couldn't drive. I couldn't go anywhere. I had, it wasn't Shoot. crutches. I live on a hill. So <laughs> me and crutches weren't, unless I want to roll down a hill, were not uh, the safest thing to do. So mm. I was homebound for a month and a half. And I realized that I really needed to do something with this poetry because mm. I was, I was, writing from i don't know 10 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night i was writing poetry wow. it just it kept coming to me and since i couldn't do anything else i just kept writing poetry and writing poetry and writing poetry mm. and that's how i got my first book i started meditating and with meditating i said you know what the heck if i don't come out with this book mm -hmm. 
I, it's like, when am I going to get over myself? Right. Because right. that's basically what it was. You know, you don't want people to know who you are. Yeah. But I, I got to the point where I just didn't care. Let them know, you know, mm -hmm. and being fearful and not wanting to press that publish button with Amazon was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon kept saying, hit publish, yeah. hit publish. And I'm like, no. uh, no. uh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. So. I, I hit publish and I was pretty terrified to let people know. Mm -hmm. And I did have people say, I never knew your story. Mm -hmm. And now I know your story. And I had other people tell me that they thought that I was writing about them, that mm -hmm. they were not alone. Wow. So it made me feel good. And from there, I came up with two more books. Wow. You know, like the idea of a lot of creativity being born of suffering I'm just, I'm curious how much of the beauty that we see in life would we miss out on if, you know, if we had opportunities to heal sooner? Or to acknowledge that we're even hurting. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know until I got into meditation that certain things were really hurting me. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to get into the core of what it is. I'm like, wow, I thought I got over this, but mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. You know, I thought that if you're able to talk about things, then then you're getting over it. But no, being able to talk about it is the first step in getting over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to do something to help yourself. And so yeah, I um, and so that's what I did. I did the poetry. And I decided to start a, a website called the poetic resurrection. Uh, poeticresurrection.com. And that one, I added, I added, you know, um, the podcast, which mm -hmm. just started this year, I added poetry to that. And it's so I have guests. And so they, it's all about the you. Mm -hmm. How can we help you? Because if you could help, could you imagine if you could start that domino effect? Mm -hmm. You affect one person and they start liking themselves and then they tell their friends and their family. And all of a sudden, everybody's being more accepting of themselves. Because if you're accepting of yourself, mm -hmm. you see how petty bigotry is. You oh, see sure. how petty anger and hate is. So that's my goal to just have if you can like yourself and be accepting of yourself, then I really believe you're going to be accepting of others. Oh, yeah, I think I think it's it's a. It's amazing. The measure of our personality is a trauma response. Yes. You know, a lot of our decision making is born out of trauma responses, you know, so. But if you look at trauma, trauma to me, and I didn't think this way before, trauma to me is like our soul or our inner self or our higher self or whatever it is, is mm -hmm. slapping us in the face, telling us, get over it. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you this pain. But if you learn the lesson, mm -hmm. you could get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is like, I have to tell myself when I'm going through a hard time, what am I learning from this? What do I need to do from this? Mm -hmm. And my perceptions totally changed. My life hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. My perceptions have. So I don't, um, let me give you an example. I grew up in poverty. Okay. So I knew lack. Mm -hmm. Now, my life hasn't changed from me knowing lack. Mm -hmm. I just realized I have actually a lot of abundance. And I learned that through gratitude. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And how I learned that through gratitude, I bought one of these little books that every day you're supposed to put, you know, I'm grateful for this. Mm-hmm. And they want you to name everything. And I also did it through meditation. And I'm writing, I'm like, damn, I have so much stuff I have to keep writing down that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Your bed, your home, your security, your job, your money, your car. I mean, you, the list is endless, mm-hmm. you know, your family, your friends, your health. And so I realized after saying all of that, mainly because I think I was tired of writing so many things I'm grateful for. <laughs> is that I actually have a lot of abundance. Yeah. Yeah. I I, mean that, that the fine line of looking through a lens of, or making decisions based out of lack versus making a decision based out of abundance, like the, the amount of outcomes or like the disparity of outcome is, is pretty great um, Mm -hmm. decisions from that. So it's, it's a trip, man. The, the adventure into looking into ourselves, like honestly, and kind of assessing where we are, what we're feeling and why is, is it's an intense, it's an intense journey and yeah. it leads to some things. And, you know, I, I, I know from personal experience, it's not, it's not always easy when you're like, okay, let's really examine this part of who we are and see where our pain is. And then when we see our pain, how much decision making are we doing based on that pain kind of like like when you hurt yourself and you like hold it like if you hurt your hand you tuck it into your belly and you hold it there right Mm -hmm. and so now everything you do is with this hand tucked close to you you know and it's like oh there's safety here and so how much of our decision making is is based on that when there is pain you know other in in other places of our lives so it's hard it's hard to change Mm -hmm. um because if you think about how many negative thoughts we tell ourselves every day mm-hmm. and we repeat what other people have said to us and most people that say negative thoughts to us are also in pain. Mm-hmm. So you can't really take people. that. Yeah. And the other side of it, because people are terrified of change, mm-hmm. the other side of working on yourself is peace of mind. And I am more creative today because I do this than mm. I ever have been. Wow. I mean, that's saying a lot because I'm older now and I, uh, I'm more creative than I ever was. Wow. Good. Good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. It's not fearful on the other side. It's actually, once you get over yourself, it's actually right. easier, but then you'll find something else you can work on, right, and, you yeah. know, and sometimes you look for it. It's like, okay, I accomplished that. Now, how do I accomplish? I accomplished A, how can I accomplish B, mm-hmm. C, and D? Right. Right. That's a good question. Speaking of options, what? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your decision. Let's get into that moment where you made a choice and you can see the impact of that choice until today. Hit me with that moment in your life. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I think I discussed one with the, with the poetry. That, that made a huge impact on my life. Hmm. Just being able to publish it and learning that I could help others. And so that kind of started the ball rolling with uh, being of service. And that might not be, we all have a different way of being of service. Mm -hmm. You know, actors can entertain people and make them laugh and that's of service. Mm If you're a mechanic, you're of service. You may, you know, now someone can go to work. Everything is of service. Even if you don't think it is, it has an effect on other people. Mm So 
that one was big for me. The fact that I got into that acting class was huge for me. Mm-hmm. But I, what I notice is that things in life that you love, sometimes they're only a stepping stone okay. for you to get to the next step. I thought I was going to be an actor forever. Hmm. Now, I still love it. I'm not going to say I don't. But it's not my only desire. Mm. You know, I really like writing my poetry. I really like coming up with um, stories or meditations or seeing nature. Mm -hmm. I love nature. Okay. All right. So then, so if we, let's, let's focus in on this moment the and we'll we'll take the the decision to hit publish mm-hmm. right uh, when how long ago was that 2016 okay think, so, yeah 2016 okay so in 2016 you hit publish and from that t- two more books have been published another one is on the works uh in the works and like you've built some relationships with people based on you know the impact that you have had on their life okay mm-hmm. so 2016 um let's let's talk a lot about who you were in that in that time right so five years ago what was family life like for you do I you have a, a long-term partner do you have kids are do you uh, your nuclear family that you grew up with, are they still heavy uh, parts of your life? My, I'm very close to my immediate family, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I've always have been. So I don't, no problems in that area. In fact, I'm grateful mm-hmm. because I was the only stability I really had in my life. Okay. And then how many... Uh, it's your your two parents that you met, mentioned. Do you have siblings? Yes, I do. Um, my parents were both married before, and I'm a product from the second marriage. Okay. <laughs> so I have half brothers and sisters. Okay. Two brothers and a sister from my dad, and a brother and sister from my mom previous. And then there's three of us. And plus three. Mm-hmm. My immediate brothers and sisters, only three of us. Gotcha. Okay. So three from a previous on your dad, two from a previous on your mom, and then three. So was there any time where all like eight of you were in the house and all eight kids were together? No. No, because the half brothers and sisters were teenagers when we were born, basically. Gotcha. Okay. So there's a huge age difference. Gotcha. So it's it's not like it, this this Puerto Rican Brady Bunch. Eight is enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They would visit, but only like my half sister on my mom's side mm-hmm. lived with us for a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. But it was it was the three of you for the most part. You and yeah. your two others. Okay. And then mm-hmm. where do you fall in that three? I'm the oldest. Oldest. Okay. It, uh, are you guys close in age? Uh, yes, the three of you? only like a couple of years apart. Okay. So five years ago, what were you working on? Did you have like a, a typical day job or were you living exclusively off of your performing and print work and stuff like that? Well, when I got the foot surgery, I went into disability. Okay. And then decided not to go back to work. 
Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I was able to write between 10 and 10 PM because it was just so much was flowing out of me. Mm. And, um, did that happen in 2016 as well? The yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's when I no, it happened in the end in December of 2015. Okay. So I was, uh, for a period there, I was, um, you know, when I couldn't walk, I was on disability and then I actually lived off my savings gotcha. for the rest of the year. All right. That's, um, brave. Or, or, like, did you ever, it like, was, it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there was no more money coming in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know? when, when, so. when the number's just going down, right. When you see it mm -hmm. just going down, it's like, stop, please. <laughs> Stop. I know it's like I, I I better get on unemployment or find a job. Right. So yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Um Chacha. which took a while to find one. And then it's strange because in the beginning, I mean, I wrote and I actually was working on a, a different job. I didn't have three years of not working. Mm -hmm. I just worked at different jobs. Gotcha. Did you end up taking a job in 2016 at all? Or was that purely I'm writing and that's it? I'm writing and it didn't come that way. I didn't decide, oh, I'm not going to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was still hobbing around. So I there was, I was very limited to what I can do because mm. I had to have like bolts removed from my foot. Oof. So I, I couldn't, you know, do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But I, I decided at that point, I didn't want to go back. Mm. And I didn't want to go back after I started writing. Okay. I was writing so much that I'm, wow, you know, and it was a time to really nurture myself because with my writing came up much of the problems. That's mm. when they surfaced. Sure. Because sure. now I had time to contemplate and that's why the pandemic, I didn't, it was horrible that, you know, people died and got sick and yeah. I actually know someone that passed away, Shoot. but yeah, but I found it a great time to reflect. Hmm. And I think that's what made a lot of people angry because they didn't want to reflect. Sure. And, and now you kind of have the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get back to that normal that we knew. I, th there's, I think, yeah, there's no such thing as normal as it was. Life no. And I, now. yeah. And I think we needed a big jolt like that in our, just as being humans, mm -hmm. not by uh, divided by countries or culture or politics or anything like that. We as humans needed to evolve to the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we let's see. Let's see how long it takes for that to be, you know. Well, that's why I think there's so much dichotomy. Some answer. people want some people just refuse to let go of the past and they're angry and they fight it. And then yeah. the other half is just like, hey. Why don't we try this? This yeah. is new, you know, let's, yeah. let's try a new life. And one of the things I have, I, I work for a music company and they're great. I really like them. Mm -hmm. And I want to stay remote. Mm -hmm. I don't mind going into the office once, you know, every couple of weeks or something, but right. my job is not one that requires me to have interaction with other people. Sure. So I, want to stay remote mm -hmm. i can dig it i can dig yeah it. i can dig it um so at the time what were did you have any hobbies 
I know that you're limited with what you could do physically, but did you like have things that you like to do for fun around that time? Or even let's say 2015 before the foot surgery, did you have any hobbies? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was a big Zumba addict. Yeah. Zumba. Oh yeah. my God. I love Zumba. And it took me a while. Cause after my surgery, I still couldn't step on my foot mm. without wearing uh, a, a lot of cushions. So I, couldn't continue with my Zumba. And that was, I need to start again. Cause that was fun. At least it was exercise. That was fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So did you, did you end up um, developing any hobbies after the foot surgery that you're like, okay, I can't do Zumba. How else am I going to pass the time? Or were you, was your whole life just in a notebook with a pen? For that year, I was, that was it. Basic. That was it. Okay. You know, it was, it was weird because it didn't even seem like work. It was just, I was super driven. Mm. And then what kind of music are you into? You've been a singer, you know? Yeah. I am, believe it or not, my degree is in ethnomusicology. Okay. I, which is basically cultural anthropology through music. And my favorite is world music. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's what my degree is. in. I just love music from all over the world. Um, how music affects people, mm -hmm. how so much of music is, has to deal with beliefs. Mm -hmm. So it's just fascinating for yeah. me. So that's what my degree is actually in. Okay. So mm -hmm. hit me with something. What, what is an album that you were listening to in 2016? Oh boy. Or Spotify playlist or whatever. Hit me with something that you're know, like, Oh, uh, during this time of all this writing, this is kind of what I was listening to. I was listening to, I created playlists that had meditation music, mm -hmm. not guide, guided music, just the music. Sure. Then it would turn into salsa music. And then it was, you know, mm -hmm. I had some pop. Then okay. I had music. I like Middle Eastern music because they use a thing called microtones. Mm -hmm. that, you know, the violin music. Yeah. I... I, I just everything. I can't really say one specific because it really depends on the mood the I'm mood. in. Okay. To and I find music to work with that mood, or if I'm trying to fight that mood, like I'm pissed off. Right. I'll play some salsa music or sure. some reggaeton and start okay. dancing. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm into it. Um. All right. So at that time, what what are two things that you could identify in yourself? Uh, as fears like these are things that you struggled with because of fear during uh, that time vulnerability vulnerability mm -hmm. was that you were you were fearful of of being exposed or you I, just you just didn't want to share yourself with other people what i didn't want to i was afraid to share myself i mm -hmm. did it because okay. i fought that fear but i was afraid to do it okay all right did you, did, was there anything else that you can think back to? Was there anything else that you can think back to um, that you experienced fear for um, at, in that time? Yeah, I was fearful. I was going to gain weight from sitting on my ass too long. Mm, okay. <laughs> Which is because I was always, you know, uh, more fit. And because I couldn't do my Zumba and do my exercises, I kind of got out of the rhythm. And... So I know that 
my exercising was very therapeutic as well. Yeah. For my mental health. Okay. And so now I'm starting to get back into it. Okay. Good, good. Um, do you, are you one of those people that, um, when you have something that you're considering, do you, do you like super overcompensate to make sure that this thing doesn't happen? So in response to the thought of gaining weight, did you have like an, did you overcompensate for that by like, all right, I'm not going to eat for a whole week and make sure of this. Or did you just (laughs) be like, Oh man, I really hope this doesn't happen. Cheeseburger, 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 cheeseburger. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It was me just learning how to, you know, um, I've always been, I always eat healthy. Okay. My downfall is I like cakes and cookies and okay. ice cream. So what I needed to do was I bake my own stuff when I want to eat it because I know what I put in it and I cook healthier sure. when I do it. So I allow myself to have it if I make it. Okay. I'm into that. I'm into mm-hmm. that. Um, so at that time, before you, before you um, decided to tabulate your writings into a book, and before you got to the point emotionally where you could hit publish and get it out there, what was what was something that you were projecting for yourself? Now, these are this is something that you were actively working towards professionally or this is a goal that you had. What is a what is a tangible goal that you were actively working toward at that time? Um, of, of actually getting a physical book out. But I also went to an editor because I knew I needed help. OK. So I did go on and get help, but I, my goal was to finish the book, to get it out there. Okay. So before you even decided to write the book, like, so you had the surgery and you're just writing to cope before you decide, oh man, what if I put this together to make a book? What were you working toward? Like leading up even to the, before the surgery, what were you, what was on your mind? Like, okay, so this is my goal for the next couple of years, whatever. I want to do this or that or, um, the only thought I had was I had to change my life. I wasn't happy. Ooh, okay. What What do you think you were most dissatisfied with? Uh, the job that I had, hmm. and it was it not because it was a bad job or the people were bad or anything like that. It was just not me. I was as you know. Uh, a square trying to fit into a round peg and I was just not happening. It wasn't doing, I wasn't doing it. Yeah. So it was time for me to make a change and leave. So when I got into the surgery, that's when it said, leave. Hmm. I'm like, aha, I'm going to do it now. Okay. Okay. So you felt released to get out of the job at that time because of the surgery, but that's, that's what you were like. uh, The thing that you were focusing on the most is I have to get out of here. I have, yeah, I have to change my life. Okay. I have to change it. All right. So if that's, if that's the thing that you were focused the most on that you could make happen realistically, what is an unrealistic dream that you had for yourself at that time? You know, I don't, I can't think of any because Mm. all the dreams I've had, I've actually pursued. Okay. So even if I haven't been successful, I, I can't say I should have, could have, would have, because I did it. Sure. Okay. So I don't think I had any. Did you regrets. Did you have any active dreams that you were pursuing at that time then? No, just 
mind, body, spirit. It was something that was really, really calling to me. Okay. Um, rapid fire. Hit me with three of your favorite foods. Go. Oh, mofongo. Mofongo. Ooh. Oh, I love mofongo. Uh, pizza. Okay. And I, I know this is going to sound weird to your audience, but I love salads. Salads. All right. I do. And California, we have so many different types of salads. Of I love salads. All right. All right. So this is very important. What kind of pizza? Uh, pepperoni and mushroom. Okay. So are you a like New York style where it's flat? Are you Detroit style where it's like a, a ciabatta bread pizza? No, I here you mostly find I like thin crust because of the calories. That's sure. what I'll eat. But my favorite is still Chicago deep dish. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I have to. I just got back from Chicago and I had to have, you know, that I have to have my pizza. Granted, I'll eat it once and I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah but I just had to get it out of my system. Where do, you, where do you get your, when you come to Chicago to get your deep dish, where do you get it? The typical place is Gino's, Giordano's, or uh, Luminati's. Mm, okay. Okay. I mean, okay. So for those of you listening that heard us say mofongo uh, and have no idea what it is, it's like a, a, a plantain. Imagine like a plantain mash that is, it's not like, like sweet. Like you might have had sweet plantains before. It's like a savory plantain mash. That's like a little bit harder, a little bit grittier. When I was a kid, I used to think of like, oh, mofongo. It's like I'm eating sand. I hate oh, this. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, as a it, kid. To me, it's like, it's like tostones. Is, and what the <clears throat> taste is, is more closer to plantain chips that you can get at a store. Right. Salty that's the closer chips, yeah. to, yeah, that's more of the taste of it, but it's actually the actual plant. And then you, it, it's set up like a cup. And mm-hmm. so you could put vegetables in it, like a stewish kind of, it could be vegetables, it could be shrimp, it could be meat, whatever you're into. And it goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I did not like it. But as an adult, I was like, all right, kids are dumb. Let's see. Let's <laughs> let me, let me try my fungo again. And it's delicious. I love it. Oh yeah. Kind of well, I, as a kid, I didn't like avocado. I love avocado. Oh, wow. I did not like it until I went to Puerto Rico and they would serve the food with, Arroz con gandules mm-hmm. and, you know, a piece of chicken or fish or whatever, because, mm-hmm. you know, they say rice and beans is not a meal, but rice and mean, beans a, is a meal to me. Yeah. I, I could eat it by itself. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, man. All right. Um, tell me three things it, and think back to 2016. Tell me three things that you loved about yourself. That I was accepting of myself. Okay. That I was willing to work on myself. And that I had humor about all the crap I've done in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, How long do you think that you kind of walked in that measure of self-love? Well, before that, I didn't think I didn't have Mm self-love. It was discovering that there were certain things. And I have self-love in certain parts of my life. Mm -hmm. But there was the ones that I did and I had to work on. And for the life of me, I can't think of what it is except self-acceptance just to let things go and move on yeah Hmm. in in general because there are things that i'm very accepting of you know in my life so okay before then okay all right this is good this is good i think i have an idea of where i'm going to take this story 
I'm excited to see it uh, or think, hear it. I think I think I do. <laughs> I think I do. I love I love the idea of like this period of time where you you suffer this physical ailment, you're recovering, and then like all of these things are being stirred up inside of you, and you're like, oh, let me get this down, and just furiously writing for days and days and days and days. Mm -hmm. You put it together, and then you have like this crisis. Do I publish this or no? So I'm I'm excited to get to that point in like the creation of it and explore. What if mm -hmm. you don't? I know. What and you know, one of oh, that was the year that uh, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, 2016. And I believe it was in September. Mm. I wrote a poem called Citizen in March of that year. And after Hurricane Maria, I had, I had friends that I've had for decades come up to me and say, I didn't know Puerto Ricans were American citizens. Oh, my God. I'm like, <laughs> really? I have known you this long and you don't know we're American citizens? Yeah. But what was weird oh. is that I wrote the poem Citizen. Wow. Like what? Five months before? Wow. And so that's the first poem in the in my first book. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know, it's funny. The the dumbest form of racism I've ever experienced is somebody was telling me to go go back to my homeland. You know, and I was like, <laughs> "You're stupid, bro." Puerto Rican. It's like, well, I I guess I'll I'll just walk to the living room now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, man. That, Right. If I go back to my homeland, I'm still a U.S. citizen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dummy. Yeah. One of the weirdest things was I had a friend of mine, her father-in-law asked her, what is the exchange rate in Puerto Rico? <laughs> it's like the U.S. dollar. I had someone ask me, which I thought was funny. I mean, I, but you have to take into account that Americans are horrible at geography. That's true. I mean, horrible. That's if true. I hear about a war in a distant land, I literally have to look it up to find <laughs> out where it is. Because I go, where is that? Oh, I don't. No. I have no idea where that is. But if you <laughs> no. look at how Europeans, they kind of know where everything in the world is. Hmm. You know, they travel yeah. so much and they do. And, and I put that down to our American teaching system that doesn't really enforce geography on us. At all. Our yeah. teaching system is, is hilarious to me for a couple of reasons. One, it does a really good job at training kids to be docile for eight hours a day so that they can go get a job somewhere, right? Yeah. Just to be workers. It's like, it's not, it's not about educating children. It's about training potential workers. Mm -hmm. But also, it's about training potential workers, for the most part, for like the bottom rung, right? Mm -hmm. We want as many people on the bottom as we can. So that we are full of the bottom disposable workers, you know, and then every now and again, we can pluck from that or the the whole nepotism and legacy, you know, facets of of running a business where you just pass it to your children and they're the ones running the next layer of bottom rung. Well, that's why I think a lot of um, people that are the average like C or, or dropouts mm -hmm. are innovators. 
Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're going to be a doctor or an engineer or something that you really need that basis for, you could self-train yourself in almost anything. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, my brother did not finish high school mm-hmm. and he is yet smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. And I have a college degree Damn. and I can say that he is more intelligent than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just knows. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's funny. I was, um, this was like like 15 or 16 years ago, uh, someone I know was, he was uh, the art director of um, an advertising agency. And I was like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to get into photography. I'm thinking of going back to school and doing that. He's like, don't, don't, don't do that. Go take like a three-week course and you'll learn everything that you would in a four-year university and pay nothing compared to it. So don't, exactly. don't go back to school for that. You know, so like at school, like grade school, high school, they just teach you to be good students in college. Yeah. In Chacha, that's it. That's well, it's it. also they're, they're just teaching you how to spew out facts. Mm-hmm. And it's like I got American history every single year I was in grade school. Mm-hmm. And yet Puerto Rican history is part of American history, but you never know about nope. it. No, no. I mean, how, much, people- how much did you learn about Guam? Or American Samoa, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. Nothing. Which are, the Guam is, uh, they're a U.S. citizen, as far as I remember. They're uh, also U.S. citizens. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's, we need to learn about the world. Mm -hmm. I think we've been in this little bubble as a nation. And even though we are made of, originally, of many immigrants, we're living in a Bible that if you don't believe like us, you can't be part of us. Mm And you don't bubble. You lose your power by not accepting. Mm-hmm. Acceptance is the death of a company. It's the death of politics. It's the de- it's you can't exclude. You start excluding, mm-hmm. then you you don't stay afloat. I would say mm-hmm. you have to change. It, it's the way we all change. Mm-hmm. You know it. For me to say, oh, I don't want to change. Granted, I could do that, but the world's still going to change around me. Right. So am I going to be able to identify with it? Could you imagine the people that thought the world was flat? That was the going thing. Yo, there's still people that think the world is flat. Are you serious? Yeah. Flat earthers. With all the science. Flat earthers are a real segment <laughs> of humanity. They're a legitimate segment of humanity. For those going to the moon and seeing that it's actually round, I mean, that is amazing. Okay. Oh, well, like Um, most of them also believe going to the moon was faked. So all the pictures from space are not real. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, all these conspiracy theories is, it's sad. I mean, some of them eventually come out to be true, you know, that they're, but in general, I think they just create more biases. Of course. Uh, most conspiracy yeah. theories are, are meant to like play on our biases. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, so <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, all right. That being said, let's go ahead and we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> like it, it's, it's like 30 seconds. We're going to take a quick break, like 30 seconds because in the real life I have to go write a story, but for you listeners, just blink and then you'll be hearing the story. Oh, there's Sonia. Okay, stick around.
All right. We are at that point of the show where we are going to get into the story. I hope you guys are ready to hear this. Um, to reiterate, my guest is Sonia Losada. She is a poet. She's an actress. If you would like to find her on the interwebs, her um, website that deals with her poetry is poeticresurrection.com. And then her acting website is sonialosada.com. You can find her on IMDb under the same name as well. If you'd like to find her on Instagram, it is at Poetic Sonia. She's also on Twitter at Mist to Cal. So uh, it's a play on mystical, M-Y-S-T, number two, C-A-L. There are other ways that we can find her. They'll be in the show notes as well. Um, but tell us a little bit about your Poetic Resurrection website, please. Um. Poetic Resurrection came about when I I had taken a huge hiatus from writing poetry, which I have done since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it was like my resurrection, but I was getting into poetry and then I was doing searches and I actually nobody had Poetic Resurrection, which I was really surprised (laughs) because I looked for all these other names. And then we found that Poetic Resurrection was available. So I got that. That's how I came into being. Awesome. Excellent. Cool beans. So check it out. Poetic Resurrection. You can follow her stuff. Um, and now it's time for the story. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. This is the story of Other Sonia. Coño! Other Sonia shouts in frustration. The stitch is still fresh. She missed the stacked clothes and linens laid on the floor beside her bed. Her recently medically repaired foot crashed hard down on the floor instead. You know what I miss? Zumba. I miss the routines. I miss the ladies sweating profusely amongst peers, shedding no blood, but definitely sweating off in tears, stuck at home, not even by choice. I'd rather be out and about pursuing life and breathing in the joys of the morning. Why, foot, would you be so frail? Answer me with my own voice. I want to hear you apologize for your frailty, toes and arch and heel. Scolding her foot, she chews on her words, eager to be healed and whole. She makes with frustration at the edge of her mattress. Staring at the impossible task in her mind of taking flight within these walls so her walking around is left undone and she is spared the stress. The stress of having to balance on crutches or crawling on hands and knees or even scooting about on the wheeled knee cart. Expertly navigating the accidental feng shui of her apartment when whole, she clumsily toddles while in recovery. Less so at the day's end, more at the day's start. Move, other Sonia. Move to the chair so you may sit and write. This bed is comfortable and the medication leaves you drowsy. What more must there be to equate a full day of sleeping best spent at night? Get up. Please get up. The mattress firmly gripped in her tightly clenched hands, gives easily as she pushes hard against it to stand. Precariously upright, she wobbles to regain her balance. Other Sonia retrieves the cane at her bedside and leans firmly onto it as she hobbles to the door to retrieve her wheeled cart. The floors have only known the tread of bare feet and unsoiled shoes and are now a racetrack. They creak and cry as she meanders throughout her home. They will adjust. What else is there for the floor to do but to support us that we stand and walk and run? Has anyone ever given the floor thanks? No, but why would they? The chair does not request gratification. It exists to hold your butt. No more, no less, no how, no way. Slowly, she rolls the cart forward, sliding her foot behind her. She scoots along. Huh. 
Maybe I'm getting the hang of this. Keep going to the kitchen for some coffee. Why do I keep narrating what I'm doing? Other Sonia pauses just outside her bedroom. She scans the walls and with open ears listens for heartbeats that are not hers. Eager to find an audience to justify her musings, she waits. All day she waits. The sun poking through the windows lay comfortably on the floor before her. The light slithers along the floor and climbs the walls as the sun traverses the sky above. It moves with purpose and she watches intently, the clouds intermittently reaching out to interrupt its gait. Other Sonia, coffee in hand, reaches her desk. She stands one foot on the floor, the other suspended, knee on its wheelie cart. The coffee in her hand steamed, living vapor. The vapor dances on the film forming at the surface of her be beverage, cycling through every dance she has impressed upon her heart. She tries to identify the shakes of what would be its hips. Salsa, merengue, bachata, samba, zumba even. Nothing seems to fit. She notices she is moving. Looking down to navigate her hips are matching the dancing steam. Or is it the steam mimicking her? In this moment, is she the chicken or the egg? Which could be first, and would it have begun here or in the eyes of the creator hiding away in his or her heaven? The moment lasts longer than she wants, and she scolds her mind for distracting her. Other Sonia spends her days stalling. Her book is complete. Whereas it once lived in her heart and mind, now it simply resides on her laptop comprised of millions of ones and zeros. The page refreshes on a loop every 60 seconds. She cannot afford for it to time out, to zone out, to drift out away from what is real and what is yet a dream. The words that live in her mind's eye that build the landscape of her imagination have fallen from her lips and landed on a page, a page that lies in wait. Click the button, Other Sonia. Just click it. Hit publish. What are you waiting for? She grills herself, her growing frustration becoming apparent, forsaking the magic in her mug. She places the coffee down harshly. Sit, woman, sit. Sit and click. Your duty at this stage is nothing. Sit and click. How many hours in this life have you sat on your butt, Other Sonia? How many hours have you spent looking up from the safety of uncomfortable cushions? Has that time been better spent, better spent than the mere moment it will take to sit and click? How many things have you bought from the comfort of your home, denying the outside world the pleasure of your presence and instead just sat and clicked by now? Her pep talk has fallen on deaf ears, rehearsed a million times. The performer inside her cheers as her moment has come and the evidence of her practice over the years is clear. Her heart beats quickly inside her chest. Each rap against her breastplate is a vow of that facet of her psyche so proud of her performance. I am so good, that voice declares. I'm so good, she must agree. Now is the time for her, for me to, cl to click publish and be that six-letter word we dread. Author. Author, I cannot say that even one more time. The taste of the truth in that word is sour and burns at my mouth. I am drooling and I do not have a napkin. I suppose I must stop, for the kitchen is too far away, and I am not in the mood to carry my coffee, nor do I desire to leave it. I cannot drink cold cafe con leche. I also cannot stand and drink, so I must sit. I will sit. This day will end not as it began. Yes, I am me unchanged. The same I remain, but a third time, I suppose it can be said. And author, I will become. Other Sonia pulls out her chair and slides her knee from its cart to the cushion.
her back to the screen, which has continued to refresh per its infinite timer. Her hands hold the back of the chair for support. Turn around, Mother Sonia. You have done this every day since the surgery. Every day. This task is not hard. Why do you continue to stall? What is it you want me to hear you say? Am I afraid? Who will see my words? What if they're not impacted? My love, you cannot control what moves the hearts of people. Consider yourself. How many times have you sat in the dark, the light of the screen blasting against your face and created tiny rainbows along your bones and your cheeks as the tears overwhelming in the space of your eyes push them out? How many times have you become overwhelmed with grief or empathy at the sounds of love being stolen from characters no more real than the eagerness and the smile of the child on the ice cream bar that greets you every evening as you seek to satisfy that sweet tooth? How can the world not be impacted? No woman is an island, and if she were, she would not be abandoned. You have taken great care to be true to the beating of your heart and the voice in your mind. Who could not be moved? Other Sonia sucks her teeth and licks her lips to abate her dry mouth. She turns and sits, staring at the publish button, calling out for her. Her breath escapes her. She moves her hand over to the mouse, but she dares not touch it, shaking. She watches her fingers defy her. Everything inside her screams to grab it, to end this torment, but in this moment she is left wanting. The breath she held holds tightly to her, her lungs, and she begins to panic. Clutching at her chest and neck, she pushes hard away from the desk, tilting back and crashing onto the floor. Alternating pounding on the hardwood floor and wrestling with her abdomen, she struggles in the last moments for air. Her mind soothes her no sleep. She exhales loudly and limply drops to the floor. The sun returns, squeezing through the blinds and kissing her eyes. It bathes her office in light. Other Sonia scrunches her face, squinting to allow just enough light to enter to see the dust on the floor before her. This is a sign, she says aloud for the final time. I will not sit and click, asleep on the floor and for what, choking to death on my hesitation. I'm glad I relented. Not before hitting too hard to escape the night without a headache, she rubs her pounding head and pushes herself up to her knees. She turns and faces the laptop. No. She clicks the browser window closed and pulls the screen of her laptop down. Hopefully I'll be better enough soon so I can get back to work. The end. Wow. That's an incredible story. I loved every minute. I'm like, I'm listening to it. And I go, wow, he's really a good writer. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you. I mean, that I, I loved it. I, I, there's nothing that I would even change on it. Oh, wow. And you so, so captured what, I mean, I did eventually hit the publish button, right. but it was, you captured so much of what I went through hmm. as well, you know, oh, but good. wow. Thank you. I hope yeah. you make a collection of these short stories and publish them yourself. That's an incredible story. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really glad you liked it. I'm really glad. Oh, I, I did. I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, his metaphors and his similes are incredible. Uh -huh, thank you. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love, I love the, um, the, the blind thing. It's like, uh, 
the the light hitting the blinds affects mm. my eyes. I forget the actual line. Yeah. But I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, you're that's really good. Thank you. This is really Thank good. You. I heard I heard you giggling at the start when I was like, Coño. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Puerto Rican thing to do. Right? Think. Oh my god. Yeah. You know what? I grew up my whole life not knowing that that was like a cuss word. We heard we like it was said so much in my house that I just yeah. didn't realize it was a cuss word because that was that was the only one. That was the only one that, that you got. That was I'm, the only I'm, one that was allowed in my house. So I didn't know. Oh, my mom would always say, Coño, madita sea. Right, yeah. And I'm like, what does madita sea mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what coño means. Is for, for people out there, it uh, means like, damn it. Yeah. 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 You know, but yeah, I, I still don't know what my madita sea. I might be pronouncing it wrong. Oh, it's just like, <laughs> it's like curses. Curses. Yeah. <laughs> Curse, curse you, you know. Yeah, that's funny. Wow, so you wrote this in just a weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's very good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I, I mean, I, I still get nervous presenting stories to writers, um, mm -hmm. and especially what I wanted to do with this, um, with the the variation that I was talking about is I wanted to at least make parts of it feel like syncopated. Like I was mm -hmm. reading a measure of like a spoken word. I know I read like really fast for that, but I don't know. I, I, I felt like I wanted to embody the tension in the house. Yeah. So. Um, right. Well, spoken yeah. word, I've gone to some spoken word and they they're fast. Mm -hmm. Some of them are fast because they're just following that beat. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they're trying to get a whole line in between the beats. Yeah. So they'll go fast. Yeah. So uh, I love spoken word, though. Awesome. How do you take yeah. your coffee? I never asked you. I would just assume. Uh, because cappuccino. Yeah, no, cafe con leche is what we grew up with. Yeah. Right. I just don't use as much milk anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It's basically the same thing with less milk, right, you know, right. so it's, now it's a cappuccino. Dope. Dope. Yeah. I don't know if you drank it, but we had mostly milk mm -hmm. and then we made the coffee super strong. Yeah. So that it would be still kind of strong in the coffee and you dip your French toast in it. Oh, your French man. bread, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. So my wife uh, grew up in small town, Ohio, and uh -huh. so she pretty much only drinks like black coffee. Right. And so um, trying to explain to her the joys of making coffee, like strong coffee with cream and, and sugar, probably too much sugar. Puerto Ricans, we like it sweet. Uh, but like dipping, like putting bread, I mean, butter on my bread and then dipping it in my coffee. She's like, what are you doing? That's oh. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> like, no, this is this is amazing. This is breakfast. This is the best breakfast you'll ever have. <laughs> yeah. And that's very typical. It was funny because I met someone that at a job mm -hmm. and she she you know, she's not Puerto Rican. So mm -hmm. she goes, I went to New York and in the morning people take the, you know, cafe con leche and they mm -hmm. put the bread in it. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's real typical. She goes, oh, my God, it was so good. Yeah. I mean, you don't leave. For those of you out there, you don't leave it sitting in there. So it's like no. dissipates. Yeah, no, 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 You no. just put a little bit in. You just dip it kind of quickly. And yeah. 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 But that's yeah. Bread, bread and coffee is really mm -hmm. typical um, mm -hmm. Puerto Rican breakfast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good. I, I didn't realize until I moved to PR how much Puerto Ricans like their like French red French bread. Rather, it's like so many of those. I'm just like, wow, really? Like nobody, y'all don't do the loaf. Nobody does the loaf of bread. All right. All right. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> and bolillo it. is another yeah, one the they use. Yeah, the bolillo as well. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is, uh, 
it's a, just a small French roll, yeah. <laughs> French bread, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so no, that and it, yeah, you know, growing up in a Puerto Rican household is, um, it's kind of cool, you know, because it's just, and I didn't really appreciate it until I got older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, all the things my mom used to make for us mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah. um, we would have chorizo and eggs on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I know. So all that, that was like a special occasion. But yeah, I remember the things my mom made. Mm -hmm. As a kid, it's like, oh, no, I want McDonald's. Yeah, right. This this food is not cool. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. We so like we we didn't eat a whole lot of fast food at all growing up. It was always like cook at home. But I mean, my parents are hilarious because we would have like very Puerto Rican meals for a lot of it but i mean mm-hmm. like every week we had pot roast or spaghetti or pancakes right oh for, we have pancakes yeah so oh for dinner yeah oh yeah for dinner pancakes for dinner that was like one of our favorites i don't know i don't know why yeah my mom would always make like rice and beans mm-hmm. and then she would cook some kind of meat right but there was always rice and beans with something mm. maybe different versions of rice and beans yeah. but there was always rice and rice and beans that yeah. was the basic did you grow up with one of those like 10 gallon drums just with like the glass container with just with the rice yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it never went bad yeah no because i mean i buy rice now and it goes bad because oh. and you could tell rice goes bad when you cook it mm-hmm. and you keep cooking it and you keep cooking and never gets soft mm-hmm. oh yeah like, that's oh, when like you know 50 minutes in there why yeah <laughs> it should yeah. only take 20 yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's why, because the rice is old. <laughs> Dang. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's so weird too. Um, how much, like, how fondly I remember that the facets of my culture, like my upbringing, that were uh, influenced by Puerto Rican culture. Because we didn't grow up speaking Spanish, um, my parents didn't teach us. They were like, "Oh no, you guys can learn on your own." Uh, so I was always resentful. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, I hate everything Puerto Rican since you're, <laughs> you're denying me the language of my peoples. I hate everything Puerto Rican. So I didn't listen to any like Puerto Rican music, nothing until I got older. And I was like, what an idiot. What a stupid thing to do. Why would you punish yourself? <laughs> so I know, you know, and I think even if you're not of a culture mm-hmm. to to really learn about another culture, it's so exciting how people think differently. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the big motivating factors in me learning about cultures. I want to taste their food. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I want to go out to a restaurant and taste their food Mm. and see what it's like. I went to an Ethiopian restaurant and I didn't know they make a bread that looks like a blanket Mm -hmm. and they put all the stuff on top of that. And then you, that's on the bottom. And it was really cool. They use a lot of red sauce. I Mm -hmm. mean, it was uh, really cool to eat. I mean, some, to me, I'm fascinated by cultures. A lot of people well, not a lot. I think many people don't like the culture, mm-hmm. you know, or uh, don't like the beliefs of the culture. Let me put it that way, mm-hmm. not the culture, but they'll eat their food. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it's I think like a lot of that comes down to um, it's the remnants of the the country being built on having classes of people subhuman that did all of the serving. Right. So uh, a bunch of the food that we eat, like soul food, was Mm -hmm. uh, influenced by 
I mean, dishes from Africa that the people ate that they like had me- recipes memorized that they kind of integrated into what they had available to them, you know. And so a lot of the food that we eat being influenced by that is like and the way that it that permeates through history is I think people are willing to hate, you know, be xenophobic toward other people groups, but mm-hmm. they'll allow them to serve them. Ah, didn't think about it that way. You know, you can you yeah. can serve me and you can serve me that food. I might complain about it because that just looks gross and you're disgusting for eating it. Uh, but I'll let you serve me, you know, and I just I think that's a remnant of the culture that we created in, you know, enslaving peoples. And yeah, and that. I think and I and I think a lot of it is fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. You don't understand a culture, so they must be bad. Mm hmm. You know, um, yeah. because now you have to learn and you have to change a little to understand. Mm-hmm. And change is really hard. I'm ha- I'm one of these people. I love change. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I get I get bored not changing. I, I had someone tell me the other day, you're always doing. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. When are you going to just relax and not do? I go, I how could I not do? Right. You know, just because you get older doesn't mean that you give up on life. And that you just sit in front of a TV. Mm-hmm. I I like creating. I you know even if it's decorating my home, mm-hmm. but it, I creativity I find is so important. It keeps your mind mind young, mm-hmm. and that with dementia, dementia, and mm-hmm. everything else happening in, in people's lives is just there's so much of it recently yeah. that I think it's good to be creative. I, I think agree. it's good to try new things. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think what's uh, fun for me about being creative is getting into the habit of doing it. Like one of the one of the tactics that I heard a long, long time ago about writing, right? How to be a, a prolific writer just in practice, right? Mm-hmm. Is to practice the art of not not writing, right? So being intentional about, all right, you know what I'm not going to do today? I'm not going to not write. You know, so like I'm if I'm gonna not write, so it's a double negative, right? So which means I'm telling myself I am gonna write, but then I yeah. I don't get bogged down by I don't know. It's like the 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 games that we play with ourselves to keep ourselves motivated. But in that, I love that I, because I like have built that up that I can just do things. They don't have to be good. They don't have to be inspired. But getting into the habit of constantly doing and creating and going through all that keeps you know juices flowing so in case you know i hit a nugget of something beautiful i can like pull it out and refine it and you know go from there but i'm with you yeah yeah do you ever save like i'll have a poem or a story and there's one line that i just love Hmm. but it doesn't fit the story I end up taking it out and putting it on a, on a list of yeah. lines to use because mm-hmm. sometimes it can motivate a whole entire story. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, um, I just did a live class. I'm a teacher on Inside Timer mm-hmm. and I did a live class. Oh, my God. I was so nervous. And um, in it, someone asked me because I said, you know, if you want to let go of anxiety or whatever, that's the whole class. And it was called a story starts with one line. Mm-hmm. And it's basically not making a fictional story, even though you can, it's your own story. What mm-hmm. do you believe? And what you believe usually starts with one line. Right. So, but someone asked me and I really felt, unco- I felt uncomfortable because she says, what do you do 
if you suffered from abuse. And I, I'm like, oh my God, she just got to my heart because I'm a survivor myself. Oh, wow. So I, my voice started shaking. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm screwing up this live <laughs> event. <laughs> wow. So I kept saying, you know, write, or mm. if you want to paint, you know, you, you can let it out. You can be, you can be the, you know, let out their anger, let out whatever in writing and art. And I mean, you could go run, run around the block and this heat where we have so much heat, probably right. not a good idea, but, but there has to be an, an outlet for that. Yeah. And mine is writing mm -hmm. and podcasting. I, I really enjoy podcasting. Good. Yeah. Good. Cause it's, it's not the one-on-one -on -one that I prefer, mm -hmm. but I have met amazing people from all over the world mm -hmm. doing this. How about you? So, excuse me. So for me, um, I have, I have so many notebooks filled up with songs that are two lines long, you know, yep. where I'll just get this one thing in my head or I'll like hum something. So I'll write a couple of notes down. Um, and then like, I'll come back to it later and be like, I don't know what I was thinking, but it yeah. was impactful <laughs> enough then to just write these. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> Jeepers. Like, I don't know what the time was on it. I don't know what the melody, I just have these notes in this order. So I try and refigure things out, but I have so many like songs that are a line or because sometimes it's, it's just, there's something that'll stir and I'll say it out loud and I'll be like, Ooh, Ooh, I like that. I have to get that down. So I'll write it down <clears throat> and then I'll keep trying to come back to it and say, all right, is this turning into anything? Or was I just so impacted in that moment that this, this is the, this is the, the whole thing. You know, what just came to mind as you're talking, What's that? using all those lines with the premise is when am I going to get a song and write a song about when am I going to get a song? <laughs> right. And it sounds, it would sound like, a, you know, the other day I had this thought, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And maybe I thought about these notes, but it do it in a folk style music mm -hmm. because I find that poetry and folk music work extremely well together, mm -hmm. but that's what I heard. I heard a folk song Yeah. and then maybe changing the notes and and figuring out the entire song while mm -hmm. you're singing a song right just go so you're taking well, i have done a lot of um uh, so in the in the mid to late 2000s um uh -huh. i did a lot of open mics and um i would go to the open mic with maybe one song that was done mm -hmm. and everything else i would just improvise so i would make up love songs about people that were sitting there. Um, and sometimes if I was feeling especially mischievous, I would pick, you know, one person from one table and then one different person from a different table. And then I would sing about how they're giving each other eyes and how I can oh. see their heartbeat, you know, the wavelength of their heartbeat intermingling in front of me and how beautiful it was. And I would get such dirty looks from their partners. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> they're, they're here with me. Why, why are you doing you know. Why are you making them divert? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I would have probably, I would have probably laughed and said, "Don't even think about it." Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the car ride home, guys. <laughs> that sort of thing. But it was, yeah. That that the idea of like just playing through and not knowing where it's going and just trying to figure out on the fly. That's that is that is also one of the ways that I cope with uh, creativity.
right? Oh, you know it's, what? It sounds a little bit like that's the 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 basis of hibaro music, like um, mm. because it has I think, and people don't quote me on this because it's been like. 30 years since I remember how it goes, mm -hmm. but I think it has seven beats, five beats, seven beats. So you have to follow that no matter what you say. Mm -hmm. And there's these contests in Puerto Rico for Hibaro music. And they'll say, okay, the idea for your song today is this. And there's these, these guys make up these incredible songs right on the spot. They mm -hmm. give them like a minute and you see them thinking, and then they go back and they got an entire song. Mm -hmm. They just have to keep into that seven, five, seven, I forget the, the count system that it is. Wow. And they're incredible. And they have contests all over Puerto Rico with this. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's like spoken word on the spot. Right. <laughs> Chacho. That's yeah. nuts. That's nuts. I, like, that's talented. Yeah. That's really talented. I like. I would rely a lot on repeating things. So I would just make a whole bunch of choruses where I would say <laughs> some line that I thought was either funny or like impactful to this thing that I was making up like in my head about these people. Yeah. And then kind of go over that a few times and see where it went. But holy yeah, smokes. after every paragraph, right? Yeah, right. After every paragraph, paragraph, I'll do a chorus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just no bridge, it. but just chorus yeah, just, verse, chorus verse. Just, just a chorus. We'll just keep singing this about your shirt <laughs> that I love so much with the whole that's not there yet, you know, sort of thing. It is. I mean, I've so. seen a couple of these contests and I'm just sitting there in awe. It's like I'm an artist and, mm -hmm. you know, I write and I'm an actor and everything. And I am so in awe when I see amazing people mm -hmm. and I look at them and I'm like, wow, I, I wish I was that talented, mm. you know, because I'm a singer. But then I look at all the shows that have singers that go on and I'm like, I'm not even close. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even I close. That. I feel. Yeah. That. Uh, but so I mean, there's some, so many talented people out there. It's incredible. Okay. So as, as an artist, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a two-part question. Part, part one, when did, you, when did you come to terms emotionally with the notion that you were an artist, that, that you could say that this is part of my identity? I'm an artist. That's number one. And number two, with uh -huh. that in mind, how would you encourage someone who is struggling to walk in that same, like, the authority of that label for themselves right now? Well, one, I've always kind of been an entertainer. Okay. Ever since I was a little kid, I couldn't wait for people to come and visit so that I could dance for them. And I had mm. that, those little horses that you could, that have the springs. Mm -hmm. And I would pretend I was in a circus mm -hmm. and perform. I saw, I mean, what was I three or four? Wow. So I've always been an entertainer. I never thought that I wasn't. Okay. In fact, I never asked myself if I was or not. I, it was just something I did. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I would have had more training okay. along my path because I think I would have been better. And if someone that's struggling, you know, just be. One of the things I taught in my class was that even if you don't come up with, I gave them a line. I'm walking down the path in the park. Mm -hmm. And I did that because it's an easy line. Everybody's walked down a path in the park. What do you see? Mm -hmm. Nobody else has your vision but you. I find that if you can create, you're creative. Mm -hmm. If you can write, you're an author. Because you are in the process of doing. I think if you're doing, you can call yourself that. Granted, I think 
if people want to consider you that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between you considering it and others considering it. Mm-hmm. If you're playing on the notion that you need people to tell you you're an author, then you're not an author. Hmm. But if you want like confirmation that you're an author, then you're going to need to publish. Then you're going to need to do like a performance, Mm -hmm. do uh, open mics. Then you're going to, even if you do a a website and publish your poetry or publish your stories on there, Mm -hmm. you're an author. You wrote that. Mm -hmm. So now that doesn't mean you're a bad author or a great author, Mm -hmm. but you're an author. And I think a lot of people confuse greatness with being that job. And most jo- most things that you are, like I, yeah, I've been acting since a little kid. I still need a training. Mm-hmm. I still needed to know what lighting and how cameras are and where to stand. And, you know, where's your, um, what do you call it? You're an actor. Where's your spot? Where's my mark? Mark, yes, where's the mark. mark. And they'll walk you through that. Yeah. You know, so there's. I think people are more afraid to be put out there than to be called a name, mm-hmm. to be called the author or the songwriter or anything, mm-hmm. because just the purpose of doing it, you are it. Mm-hmm. But confusing it with fame and fortune and making money mm-hmm. and all of that is a whole different story. That's not being an author. Once you wrote it, you're an author. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do have to say for authors please, please get the advice of an, uh, of an editor or because, uh, you know, it, people yeah, have amazing sure. ideas, but there's, you could tell someone didn't look it over, even if it's a school teacher, like you're in college and you want to submit a story, you give it to your teacher or your professor and mm-hmm. say, how is the story? How can I improve it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you're in that situation, it's not going to cost you anything to have them look at it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And, and an editor should not be rewriting it for you. Right. Because I made the mistake. I wrote a short story once, but I was very insecure about it. Um, I wanted it to be a movie. So basically I was writing a treatment. Okay. And I and I have a friend of mine in, um, at one of the studios and she works like for the top people and she reads scripts. That's her job. Mm. So she read my treatment and because of my insecurity, I had given it to several people and everybody made their little notes on it. Mm. So I rewrote it according to the notes because I didn't trust my own writing and my own essence. Mm-hmm. And when she read it, she goes, how many people wrote this? She goes, your voice I can hear it in some spots, but I can hear that somebody else wrote or someone else influenced you on this line or this paragraph. Mm. And that's, that's not you. You're losing your voice. So not only that, you have to find somebody that understands your voice. Yeah. You know, um, me and this one producer now are writing a treatment because none of us want to write the script. <laughs> <laughs> but it's based about, you know, it's, it has a, it's a Puerto Rican story. So even though we're writing just a treatment, we need it would need to be someone that's actually Puerto Rican that understands the culture, mm-hmm. that has lived the culture to write the script. You just right. can't get anyone to just write it. Right. Just just guess. Look on a map and say, okay, I, I can see where uh, yeah. Puerto Rico is. I got, you. I got you. Yeah. And then, you know, they put their because what I notice is when you get someone to edit 
they, if they don't know the essence of your character, mm -hmm. if they don't understand where you're from or how you write, they're not going to be a good editor. Mm. And, and a good editor does not rewrite it for you. A good editor just tells you, how, do, how can you rephrase something? I don't think the audience is understanding this. Right. Yeah. You know, they're not going to tell you how to rewrite. Right. Yeah. F so for me, whenever I like submit things to, um, to people to, to look it over, to edit or whatever, if they offer me suggestions, well, maybe you should say it like this. I'm like, nope. Uh, I appreciate that this was confusing and I will take that under advisement and see what I can do to make it less confusing. But this is my story. So I'm going to write my story and thank you for reading my story. And yeah, no. Yeah, so. because, you know, and I won't and that was my own problem because I allowed my insecurities as being known as a writer because I, I I didn't think of myself as a writer. Right. As an entertainer, I've been that my whole life. But as a writer, mm -hmm. you know, I also had a teacher in college that told one of my friends that I should give up writing because I wasn't good at it. Rude. That's, that's yeah. Rude. And he told me and he told me what she said. Ouch. And uh, and it did stop me for a while. You know, mm. and now it's like after three books, I'm like, screw you, woman. <laughs> right. How many books do you have out? Right. Take that. <laughs> how <Well, bam. laughs> how mm. many reviews? Because you never you should as a professor or a teacher of any kind. You should not be that judgmental. Mm -hmm. She didn't know my culture. She didn't know the stories I had, right. but she was very objective of it. Yeah. I once had someone tell me, oh, this is not even believable. I'm like, I lived it. Don't tell me this is not believable. Right. You know? Yeah, don't tell me my <laughs> life was, isn't real. Don't tell me my life isn't real. Yeah. But people will do that. Yeah. And it's bad when it's, you know. Um, so the way when I when I encounter that, um, uh -huh. I'll, I'll tell people, I'm like, well, okay. So what I, what I hear you telling me is that your experience in life is so limited that you cannot imagine things happening outside your own personal experience. And that makes me sad. Uh, but read it again. And this is uh, like an insight into life outside of your bubble. Yeah. And, and there are amazing teachers that do see that. Mm -hmm. So know, like uh, the way that I look uh -huh. at the idea of like, oh, you should stop writing because you're terrible. Um, E.L. James is rich. This woman is rich. She wrote like pornographic fan fiction about Twilight and it turned into 50 shades of gray. Right. Yeah. So like she was, she, she wrote that like inspired on her Blackberry on her phone. She was writing that story. So mm -hmm. the idea of like, Oh no, you're bad. You should stop. There are so many people that are moved by different things. And so I think it's, it's better to say, you know what? I don't get this. This isn't for me. Keep writing because yeah. I'm sure you'll reach someone, right? You're not, mm -hmm. the, the person reading it is not, you are not the ultimate like example of the world at large and what people can or cannot or will or will not connect with, you know? Yeah. So. And, and it's true. I mean, and then I know that the biggest complaint about those were they were the, it wasn't well written, but you know, if it, it's true, if that is your realm, mm -hmm. I had someone give me a review that said, 
I don't understand this as poetry because I think their poetry, what they know as poetry is a typical English, what you're taught in school, mm-hmm. their stanzas and you know, they, you follow whatever kind of rhythm. It's all free form. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I'm writing, um, what do you call it? Not, we just discussed it earlier. Prose? Well, everything's in prose that I write. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I write it almost in stories. Mm-hmm. But I also write to create the experience of the time. Mm-hmm. And if it means I'm going to have more syllables per line, mm-hmm. then it's going to have more syllables per line. Right. Because that was the mood at the time. I'm creating the mood. How I write, I don't write to be like the most, the better at grammar ever. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I know that everybody can, unless you're, you teach that, everybody could improve on their grammar. And I work on it all the time to improve it. But I'm creating the emotion. Mm-hmm. To me, when I write, the emotion is first. And if I could create that 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 uh, journey with me mm-hmm. as I'm creating the emotion, then then that's it. That's all that I'm looking for. Am I going to win big awards for that? Who knows? <laughs> I don't enter any contests, so right. it's, I, I guess I wouldn't know. Right. But. But it, it's, you know, there's my first book, which was Inspire Me Raw, mm. had so many raw emotions. Some of them were funny because I've always been on a diet. So, <laughs> I, you know, some of them are about, you know, trying to fit in and be cool. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just traumatic experiences that I had. Mm. And that first book, because the emotions was so raw, got the, the most reviews, the most people listened to it, the mm. most, you know. And to date, that's still my bestseller is the first one. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go back to that because, you know, you get into poetry and you start saying, oh, let me play with these type of uh, themes Mm -hmm. and 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 it doesn't work. I mean, I do do stanzas and stuff like that. But what I find is I'm better. I'm a better storyteller in a poem. Mm. And I think that's what people find easier to understand, too, because not everybody understands poetry. Mm. And That's I think true. I'm, yeah, and I made my third book a little more complicated mm-hmm. because I use too many references of stuff that you should know mm. and not should know. I take that back, but stuff that they taught you in school. Sure. sure. And what it shouldn't be hard. I should be people should be enjoying my writing, not trying to like look it up. Yeah. I was like, hold on. I got to pause this. <laughs> Google, help me. I, gotta, I go, who's Hera? Yeah. Who's Oya? Yeah. Who's all these people? Because I used a lot. There's one poem. I mean, I'm like three poems. I use mythology. Mm. And unless you know the mythology, you're kind of lost in those yeah. poems. Yeah. You know, so um, I didn't want to do that. My next book is going to be very easy. Okay. Especially since it's entitled In Time of Need. Mm. So it is really... Um, for anything you might have gone through during the pandemic and, you know, um, it's going to create, it's going to have meditations and everything in it because it's important time of need. Good. Yeah. I'm making it easy. Yeah. Good. So to recap then. Yes. For all of you people that are listening, that you're struggling with the notion that, you know, whether or not to give yourself permission to call yourself a writer or a singer or a creator of, of anything um and who am i but sometimes it just helps to hear uh you have permission to call yourself whatever 
if that's what's in your heart and that's what you're doing. Because being a writer, right, or, or a songwriter or an actor and, and being able to say, I am this, right, and letting that kind of motivate you forward to do things further uh, doesn't say, oh, I am a great, right? Everything, there's a gradient in the things that we do throughout life. And we start off very rough and then we become more refined the more that we do it. So yes, call yourself the creator that you are and then continue to create so that you can see the gradient from when you first said, I am, I am this to when you can confidently look back at your progress and say, wow, I am a good, I am a great this. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid because only you can tell your story. It's true. Yeah. That's true. And, you know, I, for, for many years, I, I wrote and put things in a drawer because I didn't want anybody to see them. Mm-hmm. But oh, the darkness is the best audience. <laughs> I think that's why my first book did so well. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Oh my Very gosh. dark. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I think, I think with that, this is a, a really beautiful place to wrap things up and wrap up our conversation. My guest today has been Sonia Lozada. Please find her website, poeticresurrection.com. If you'd like to look up her acting stuff, it is sonialosada.com or on IMDb uh, under the same name. Find her on Instagram at poeticsonia on Twitter at mystical myst number two c-a-l it has been an absolute treat having you on the show thank you so much please everybody come back next week for another episode of other you uh follow us on social media at other you podcast on twitter other you underscore podcast on instagram for sonia imd we out bye